0: Hey, this is John Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets. We'll beat day in the world, and I think we're going to win next summer. King the New York Jets. I
1: think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jeff fans. fans. Bird. Bird. very passionate. <laughs> Thank you, all you fans. They got their guys. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. Bird. I think Jet
0: fans. Very passionate.
1: Brady, Brady, Brady sucks! So, so. Darnold
2: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast Broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York My name is Keith Farrell, I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host None other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael LeGarrette Jet Nation, what's up? We don't have the Wookie with us, so jump on to help us with this interview in a moment. We have Javelin M. Guidry, the father of Jet cornerback Javelin Guidry, former player, author, entrepreneur, has all types of things going on. We're going to chat with him in a moment. Before we get to that, though, Mike, once again, once again, <laughs> the New York Jets find a way to surprise you. They do. Don't they? Don't they come up with creative ways to torture us. We're not going to run through the laundry list of things that have occurred in our life, with like the fake spike and butt fumbles and all types. I mean, there's hundreds of them. I mean, Jet fans of all different ages all have different moments that happen that are horrific, that are memorable in a negative way. Things that you say, man, this can only happen to the Jet. And once again, this weekend, we have another one, Mike. Don't we? We have another one to throw onto the list. And I know some Jet fans might have been rejoicing how that final play went, the outcome of the game. Like we've said, in a way, I do understand that. Some Jet fans that don't want us to go in 16, like myself, flabbergasted at that last play, but what it all boils down to is this. The reason we haven't made any changes at coaching is for moments like last week. It's for moments at the end of a game when a defensive coach wants to throw an all-out blitz, when a team needs 50 yards, Mike, and put all your corners on an island's, and the head coach doesn't overrule him, because he's an idiot. Because he's the worst coach in the world, where any other coach on the planet is probably involved with the defense enough, Mike, to say, no, we can't call that. Mike, if you and me play each other in Madden, you're going pre at that moment, aren't you? I mean, what the hell? The call itself, mind-boggling, the outcome of the game, surprising, there are some high points to get to, Mike, but just seems like another chapter in the year of the tank this one was very creative this one was unbelievable but in the end another loss and the jets dropped to
3: 0-12 you know when i listened to uh, marcus may at the end of the game uh that's when i i knew that this is a different loss you know at through each of these losses whether zero and five oh and six oh and eight you know, these players were playing hard. They always found a way to look into the future and talk about things that they may have couldn't been able to correct. And then, you know, this type of loss where a boneheaded play call by the defensive coordinator uh, led to uh, Lamar Jackson just kind of being abandoned out there and Henry Ruggs going in for the touchdown. Yep. That was, you know... You could blame the pass rushers for not getting to Derek Carr. You could blame, you know, whoever you want. But the fact is, this was a coaching failure. Um, That coverage had never been seen in over 15 years in that type of situation. Ritsumini put it out. It was just wild. But to listen to Marcus May straight up be like it was a bad call, I was like, oh, what?
2: Yeah. Yeah, what,
3: like, and Marcus May is mad reserved, son. Yep. We always talk about it. Dude's mad professional. Unlike how Jamal Adams was, you know, Marcus May is reserved, you know, cool cat. And for him to come out like that. I was like, oh, son, this
2: is... That was surprising. You normally don't, don't see... I mean, you see it nowadays. Players complain about a coverage or a play call here and there every once in a while, but you don't see it very often from a guy like Marcus May, somebody who throughout his tenure here with the Jets, Mike, not really made any waves, not really said anything controversial, even when times are tough, Had has really always had positive things to say, but The call at the end of the game, I think, surprised a lot of people. Anyone that knows football knows that that was probably not the best call in that situation, regardless if you're trying to surprise the other team or not. You really put your defenders in a tough spot and you help the other team. But one one opinion people had was that, you know, Greg Williams made that call to help the Jets with the tank, Mike. And that slant on it, that slant on how the game ended, I just don't get it. And I know it's fun to, you know, fun to bandy about. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to say, oh, they call this place specifically to lose. But Greg Williams isn't going to be here next year. He's not going to be coaching on the Jets next season. It's in his best interest to look as good as possible, not look as bad as possible, and get canned two days later. The
3: part that people forget is that he was already part of a 0-16 franchise. Oh,
2: yeah, the Browns, yeah
3: do you really think does anybody actually think that greg williams would purposely tank to be on the defensive coordinator on two winless franchises do you think that really goes into his head and is part of his agenda people please he called cover zero he tried it was a boneheaded call he's very very aggressive and uh, as a, as a coordinator and that's what he wanted to do. And it was a terrible decision <laughs> and the Jets lost and that type of loss, Keith, that type of loss, when you lose that way, that kind of ensures that this is going to go. Oh, and 16. Cause that yeah. was our game, bro. Like, remember you were always, we were asking me what, what's the one game we're going to win. And yeah. I kept saying the Raiders, son, yeah, that was son, it. That was it. Yeah. That, was, it. that sure. was the win. That was And they didn't, and I don't see, you know, and now that you see these kids, it's demoralizing and you fire a coach like Greg Williams, who's popular in the locker room, you know, um,
2: I really think that they're now going to end up not winning a game this season. Yeah. It's unfortunate that's the way the season's going. But like we said, we might be one, one step closer to Trevor.
3: And but- let me just say, yeah, there, there were some really strong plays, uh, some highlights, some some looks towards the future. I, I was very surprised with the way Ty Johnson ran the ball. 22 yes. carries, 104 yards, Tee. T- about almost five yards uh Average carry I thought he looked really good And I, you know, let's see what he looks like For the rest of the, yeah. the season You know, Jameson obviously did his thing With his two touchdowns Denzel Mims only was targeted three times You know, what are you doing there Gase uh, But he had a decent game for, you know What is the involvement he had Sam trucked that defensive uh That D-end Did yeah. you see
2: that? Yeah, oh, that yeah. was great he Goodness. rattled that dude. That was a good hit. That was a that, real hit. That, that was definitely. And let's not forget, Josh Adams, too, man. He had 74 yards on eight carries. So I mean, they had 206 yards running the ball. They ran the ball down their throat. They ran the ball real well this week. And that a lot had to do with the offensive line. Now, Beckton didn't have his best game. No. Um, Let up a couple sacks in the game. Besides those two plays, he played well. But the way, the life of an offensive lineman, especially a high-profile one, if you give up a sack, then you had a bad game. That's kind yeah. of how, how it is, right? But getting back to the defensive side, Mike, a bunch of guys stood out to me. In this um, Neville Hewitt, again, another good week. He had a sack, 12 tackles in the game, Mike, Neville Hewitt. So Langie, Harvey Lange had another good game. Bryce yeah. Hall had seven tackles. Javelin Guidry had four tackles. He had two forced fumbles. Javelin Guidry, we're going to talk to his dad later. He had a really good game. He had a good play at the end of the game, too. So a bunch of guys, you know, you had a bunch of rookies in the defensive backfield. People always say we have three rookies in the defensive backfield with Lamar Jackson and Ashton Davis and Bryce Hall. They forget to mention Javelin Guidry, because he's played the last two games, Mike. That's four rookies in the defensive backfield. He played 36 snaps last week, Guidry. So he's playing a lot, too. So, a lot of guys last week, I thought, you know, I know we didn't win the game. And I know basically all we're looking for is moral victories or little pieces to look at for next year. But I do think we have a bunch of them coming out of this game. I mean, Ty Johnson in his career anytime he's been given an opportunity has Mike, me and you were speaking about it before we started the podcast when he's been given a chance which hasn't been very often he's made the most of it and played pretty well so who knows 22 carries, 104 yards a touchdown last week that's pretty solid that's something to look at and final thing I want to say about the game Mike is that it's a typical type of game that kind of defines the the career to me of Sam Darnold right where in the game he had three turnovers in the game two horrible fumbles he had an interception three turnovers in a row also had two touchdowns and ran for 26 yards and ran for a touchdown. It's the type of quarterback Sam has been with his tenure with the Jets. He had a decent QB rating this game, don't get me wrong, but only 186 yards, Mike. You know, Crowder, top receiver on the day with, with 47 yards. And it just seems like even the games where it seems like Sam's taking two steps forward, he does always in the middle of the game or at some point take a step backwards.
0: That's Sam for you.
3: And uh, sometimes he does those plays where you're like, wow. And that's why we've always been like, you know, always looking towards him, looking towards him. Hey, you know, he's going to get it. He's going to get it because he really does have some skills, man. And again, like I said, with the right coach and the right system, I think Sam could potentially do something in this league. um, But it's not going to be here. But I tell you what, man, Quinton Williams had another phenomenal game. He really is looking like a superstar in the making. But, uh, you know, about to get into this interview with uh, Javelin Gidry's father Javelin Gidry has been playing well and I'm gonna tell you something like we're gonna talk to his dad about um he's got burner speed and I think that with the the turnovers that he's been able to procure I think that this young man is a rising star on this team and keep giving him some opportunities and we'll see what happens
2: yeah, absolutely. And Quentin Williams, another guy we can't forget about. we got to put him in the mix, like you mentioned, Mike. Four tackles this week, another sack this week, and three quarterback hits. So Quentin is just—he's really been something. So he's been tremendous, and it'll be great, man. We'll get a chance to chop it up with Mr. Gidry in a moment, ask him about his son, ask him about the endeavors he has going on with WP3sports.com, the book that he's putting out, which is really empowering for parents and children. So let's get into that. Our interview with Mr. Javelin M. Guidry— Father of Jets cornerback Javlin Gidry, former UCLA Bruin. Let's go.
0: Hey, the situation uh got heavy on me.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back. We have joining us right now, as we promised, the father of Jet, Javelin Gidry. Javelin and Gidry, author, former player, father coach, trainer, entrepreneur. He's here to talk about his book. Warrior Parent Playbook, Utilizing Sports to Empower Children to Live in Greatness. Amazing title, available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com, so go out and get your copy today. Mr. Gidry, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate
1: it. Yes, thank you, Keith. Uh, Mike, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about um, what my son was able to do last week in, in the game, and and i never been that excited for an NFL game before um, last week, and, and uh, he's... Been staying ready. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready, and yep. make the most of his opportunity. Although the uh, outcome didn't happen the way uh, he wanted, but um, but I, I'm excited for him.
2: Yeah, so, I mean six sackles he had two forced fumbles he was i think last week was maybe he probably put himself on a lot of jet fans maps last week i know he's played the last couple weeks but for jet fans people that we know twitter social media buzz he popped himself on the map last week in a major way and he played really good in that game before we get into the book which we're going to talk about um your son obviously is here in new york a rookie with the jets in 2020 i know the season's not going as planned but how is he enjoying his experience in New York, in the Northeast? You know,
1: uh, it, it's been an experience where he has been on this journey, you know, since um, since he was a kid. And so, you know, he is grateful. He's living his dream. And, you know, we, we try to stay, keep him in a place of gratitude and continuing to work. And, and as he says, each day is, is a new interview. And so uh, he has a business like mindset. And uh, he he's connected well with uh, Ashton Davis there in the building where they live, and they kind of so so he has uh, a friend, if you will. Oh, there you uh, go. To help oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's
2: good to have a little support group. And there's a lot of other rookies in the secondary besides him. There's four, three other rookies, which you never you never really see that in the NFL. So many young guys. Especially the end of the game last week, you saw so many young guys out there at one time. But you yourself, give a little bio on you, just a little background on you. You played D-back at UCLA, 1995 to 1997. Starting as a true freshman, which is pretty impressive. Three-year starter there, and you got to play with your brother Paul in the same defensive backfield. The first brother combo to ever start together at UCLA, which is very impressive. But I wanted to ask you, when when I was doing research, I came across an article about you and your brother, this is from 1995, a really great article about the two of you starting together at UCLA, got into your background in high school, and a lot of your your accomplishments and whatnot. And I came across a quote from an athletic director from my high school, and it said, you and your brother, right from the start, right from the start of things, both athletically and academically, were on point. And it seems like from an early age, from that quote, what I took from that was from an early age, you weren't just focus on excelling on the field but you had bigger goals outside of football you were already focused on even when you were in high school
1: As, that's absolutely right um, my, my dad uh, really instilled in us about going to college you know he grew up in, in Lafayette Louisiana in the south and, and his father my grandfather you know was was a sharecropper part of his life and, and so you know he passed down work ethic and you know wanting a better life for uh, for his kids. And so when uh, my dad moved from Louisiana to California when he was 19, he instilled those values in us and had us dream big uh, beyond just sports and athletic as, as a ticket to you know, some type of treasure chest, but to learn and grow and, and have you know holistic development to be successful in whatever we choose to do.
2: How is it playing at the Rose Bowl with your brother in front of your parents? I mean, that's for a lot of people, just to go to a game in a place like that's amazing. To actually play with your brother there, with your parents watching, I can't imagine a better feeling. Yeah,
1: that, that feeling was amazing. You know, that whole experience, uh, bonding with him, playing with him, um, having friends and family there to support us, you know, in front of 89,000, you know, people. Uh, especially when I was a true freshman, you know, and he was starting at safety and I was at corner. It was a big help um, because a, a, a quick story, you know, my freshman year I started and I was probably 155 pounds and I wasn't the greatest athlete but I I was very smart did my job you know and did the little things right and so we played against uh, former New York Jet Keyshawn Johnson um, (laughs) at the Coliseum USC um, you know and and you know I was playing against him and competing And, you know, I had help quite a bit over the top because he was, you know, such a good player. But, you know, he was there and we were able to bracket him and we beat SC, you know, all four years when we were at UCLA. For anyone
2: from UCLA, that's what you want to hear.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, it's rivalry week this week. So so my son, Elias, is playing against SC. And so, you know, I, I had to throw it out there
0: because,
1: you know, the tro- 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 Trojans like to make it clear. And I said, well, when I play, we never lost to, to the Trojans. So, so I like to throw it out there. <laughs>
0: That's great. Hey, I, you know, I, I love your story. I love hearing about your family background. I love hearing that your parents, your father instilled that work ethic, that approach in you. And then to see you having, uh, I'm a family man as well, like yourself, I have three children. It looks like you have three very successful children. One of them playing for our beloved Dark Jets, your your son, Elisha, playing for uh, the C.L.A. and then your daughter, I believe, is pre-med, which is really amazing to see. When did, um, when did it dawn on you to write a book to create WP? And start the process of helping other parents try to do the same thing? You know,
1: it, it's one of those things, uh, Mike, where over the years, the last few years, a lot of parents, you know, as I've coached in youth sports and, and now I coach at the high school here, you know, they kind of want to ask, what's the secret sauce? Um, how, you know, they see the outcome, they see the fruit from the tree, and they want to understand because, you know, with my kids, yeah, they're great athletically, but if you talk to any of their coaches, whether in Southern California or youth coaches or in Texas, um, where we went, you know, spent time in, in Austin and also in the College Station area, they'll talk about the young men's character and how coachable they are and how hard they work and their discipline and respect. Um, so all these different elements that i put into the book. And so, you know, my, my dad had, Um, cancer earlier this year and passed away. And so I was really inspired to, you know, move, take action to see if I can, you know, give back to help parents um, and ultimately our our young people in order to uh, empower them to to live in their greatness, the fullness of of themselves. Um, And we need that in our culture. And sports provides that platform to enable them to do that. But we have to be intentional about doing it.
0: Couldn't agree more. Your story is very powerful, and I'm thank you. Utilizing sports to empower children to live in greatness is part title of your. Um, can you explain to our audience what living in greatness really means to you?
1: Yes. So living in greatness means to me uh, is living in the highest version of yourself. It's living your best self, your most authentic self. It's not a greatness in comparison to anyone else. It's a greatness in being a better version of yourself today than you were yesterday. And so I feel like every individual is unique and every individual has their own special light. And so we each have the ability to express our own greatness regardless of talent level, skill level, Because there's no one else who can express Keith. There's no one else that can express Michael. Because we're all unique in our DNA and the way that we're made up. And so I feel like if we can speak that into our young people and have parents speak to our young people about expressing their greatness, being their best self, not comparing themselves to anybody else, but being the best version of themselves. Then they can live out that greatness, and they don't have to hide it. They don't have to cover it. They can unapologetically express that on the field, off the field, in the classroom, at home, wherever it may be. And that is what living in greatness is to, to me.
2: Well, that's very uplifting, very inspiring stuff right there. And as we mentioned, you you have an impressive athletic background, and one of the fundamental aspects of WP3Sports.com and your book is how to transfer lessons that you learned on the field into tangible life skills that benefit, you know, people's development moving forward in life. That's why I wanted to ask you is what are some of the things when you played sports when you were in a team environment, when you were competing, when you're winning and losing, what are some of those things, you know, being in that environment taught you that benefited you after
1: your playing days? Yeah, I mean, great question. You know, the sports, the higher you go, the more the game is mental. And and, and those little things and how you prepare, how you visualize, um, how you stay poised in, in, in moments of a pressure situation. True. Um, those are things that that really helped me, and and being disciplined, being focused, um, being able to uh, have a growth mindset to continually develop, to continue to improve, um, continually to master my craft, whether it've been in my career in IT, you know, in sales or business development, or as an entrepreneur. And so I'm able to take those things that I learned on the field and really transfer them off the field to it'll not only be successful in career but in leading my family and being a father to my to my kids you know and and being a leader in the community and now giving back and coaching in the high school and working with parents hear that and uh you know the
0: mental part about sports you know you you played back in 1994 so you were a young man uh uh when michael jordan racing us yes. with skills on the court. and I, He was actually my favorite athlete growing up and, you know, I remember one of the commercials that came out that really actually taught me not to fear uh, uh, losing or failing um, was he said, I shot um, I missed all these shots and I lost all these times and that is why I succeed. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, <laughs> I yes. Remember that. and It, it was yes. powerful to me. I was like, oh, MJ? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, fear of failure, that's a
3: topic that you address and uh, something a lot of people can relate to Um, in regards to this. I wanted to ask you youth sports participation right now in America is at an all time low. I don't know if you know that. And I know children have more options, distractions with their video games and iPhones than ever before. But do you think that the fear of failure is a major factor in why? We're at an all-time low in sports, youth sports.
1: I, I think it is. I think it's one of the components um, in terms of the way sports has changed in, in our culture to be so performance-driven um, and, and the dangling te- carrot of, of a scholarship. And, and when we have coaches and even parents that are very critical and demand so much of these kids, you remove the love of the game. You remove the fun of the game. Um, it's like when you play in recess and you're having fun out there, there's no pressure and you're just having fun. But then you go into this environment and we're putting these kids to work and putting so much pressure on them to perform that that is driving them out. And and And, and specifically about the fear of failure is they can't reach that bar. And, and they can't continue to reach that bar and they feel where if they try for it and they fail, then they're going to disappoint the parent. And right. that may be the way they get love. That may be the way they get affirmation. That may be the way they get acceptance. And rather than risk losing that or jeopardizing that, they'll rather walk away from the game and do something else. Right. And so and so, I try to really speak to that to remove that fear of failure by speaking to your children daily and reminding them of who they are, how much they matter, and what they're capable of. And if they hear that from the parents that it's not driven on whether you perform, because those will go in peaks and valleys, but you're staying constant in terms of your value and how much you love them, then you remove that fear of failure and you'll encourage them to reach higher and to stretch more because they know that my mom, my dad, they gonna support me and they got my back regardless.
2: Exactly. When I was growing up with my dad, I never played to your level of sports, but I played sports my whole life. And he was never disappointed Mm -hmm. in me if we lost, but he was just disappointed if I didn't play to whatever my best was. Yes. You know, and that, that's what he always told me. Like, if I went out there and half-assed it, he'd let me know it. And that was disappointing to him. And, and then yep. as I grew up, I understood that. Moving on in life to other things, relationships with people and other business things, business ventures, even the show that we have here, you know, you just got to give it whatever your best is. And I think that yep. sometimes can be lost in the mix. Whatever your top level is, it might not it might not be a Jaclyn Gindry level, but it might be yep. my best level.
1: Right. You know, right. and that can right.
2: kind of be, well, it seems like to me, and you know better than me working with younger people it just seems like that's kind of lost in the mix nowadays. It
1: is. It is because we're in such a culture of comparison and comparison is a thief of joy. And 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 so much nowadays with our young people is that they're not pushed to give their best, to be at that max level. And then that's acceptable. You know, even our coaches want to compare them to the next person when as long as if your best is a B, and that's great. When somebody yeah. else's best might be an A or might be a C, all of this is about giving your best and being the yep. best you can be. And we accept that. Look well, now I think you have a question for Javelin,
2: right? I, oh, I definitely did, Mr. Gizri. Uh, again, I appreciate you hopping on as well. And so far, it's been very, very interesting. And I just wanted to follow up. I, I had coached before in my life with U Sports as well. And I think a lot of parents, they think they're doing the right thing, but they end up pushing their kids too hard and, you know, this can apply to a lot of other things outside of sports, but mainly with sports in particular, Mr. Gidry. You hear stories of parents, they run their kids into the ground. The kid may or may not have, you know, been a great athlete, but either way, they end up resenting the parent or the sport they played or both, which is unfortunate. Have you encountered parents like this yourself or tried to guide them in, 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 and tried to guide them into better habits? Is this type of parenting something
1: you can help with at WP3sports.com? Yeah, great, great question and great point. That That is a universal a universal theme uh, of parents pushing and driving their kids um, and putting it under the label of, well, that's what's best for them. Right. That's what's going to shape them to make them be successful in life. Um, but, But the challenge there is that when we push our kids so hard and they're not having fun, when we push our kids so hard and they're not developing as a person, not just as an athlete, but as a person, then the athletic person gets all of the love, all of the affirmations and you suppress. You suppress and you overshadow and you cover up who that individual is outside of being an athlete. And so that's what is lost in, in that process. And so I do try to help parents through the book and, and I'm going to have blogs and, and, and videos through, through the YouTube channels to address these type of issues because you can do both. I was able to do both of my kids and had a balance with my wife. And that, you know, when we looked at their goals athletically, that didn't mean we have to compromise the values that we we had and we wanted to instill in our kids. And so, you know, we, we really, stru- you know, worked hard to be intentional about doing that. And I think a lot of parents think they have to go all in on the athletic side and not have the values and the ethics and the character, you know, and the life skills that can be developed through sports along with them in the journey.
2: Now, speaking of oh. your wife, Kashana, she's a very accomplished woman herself. She graduated from UCLA. She was a teacher. Obviously, along with you, raised some very impressive kids. She went back to medical school. I think that's why you guys went to Texas. Um, yes. She went to Texas A&M. Yeah, I did my research. I dug in yeah. today. I know. I- You're, <laughs> I- on <it>. You're on <laughs> it. you <laughs> I'm on it, man. I believe <clears> in <throat> internal medicine. So you... And your wife obviously provided some impressive DNA for your kids. They have no excuse but to succeed. I'm telling all three of them right now. But I want to ask you a question with your book. Was she a help with your book at all? Or did she just leave the sports psychology and all that stuff to you? You
1: know, she she was a help in the sense that she kept everything grounded, you know. And she was the parent that took the to practice here, you know, when I was working or something. Um, and she was the one that t- made sure they were thankful and they had gratitude when she was driving around or taking them. The play dates and things like that. So she spent 14 years as a stay-at-home mom before she went the easier route and became a physician. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so it, it definitely was a collaboration. It wasn't all sports psychology. That um, there was a healthy balance. And I have to say this: faith is is such a key component in in raising our our kids. And and I go through 13 different life skills, and I have a chapter that's called. Um, the faith chapter, which is the which is the bonus life skill. And that was a key component to how we raised them, what values we had in them, and making sure our priorities were in order.
2: And I'm gonna give you a second to brag on your son here and also give a little bio to our listeners that may have only known about him for about a week after that game last week. He's got quite an athletic resume yeah. himself. He was a hundred meter champion in the state of Texas. He played in a couple of state championship games in Texas. Yeah. Uh, moved back to California with state athlete of the year, which is impressive just because he moved back that year, which almost doesn't ever happen in big states like Texas or New York or California. Track and field, obviously, ran track and field, played football. Um, Went to Utah, started as a freshman, just like you did, which is difficult to do when you're a freshman. 120 tackles in three years, which is a lot for a defensive back. I saw that number. I was like, this guy likes to tackle, obviously. Yeah. Shot, when people dig deep and they Google your son, the first thing that might come up, though, is that he ran a four two nine forty 40-time at the Combine. <laughs> yes,
1: which is just, yes.
2: Only one person at the Combine, guys, ran a faster 40-time, and that was Henry Ruggs. Oh, I caught that bomb this weekend. We won't get into that right now. But also 21 reps on the bench press. So very impressive. Very impressive, your son, when it came to the combine and what he achieved before the Jets signed him as an undrafted free agent. But let me ask you a question. When he wasn't selected in the draft, were you surprised? you disappointed? Um, Was he disappointed? Is that something that you think has motivated him as this year has gone on?
1: You know, it it was um, surprising because he had that combine performance um, he, like you said, was a three-year starter uh, at at Utah there, and we know the NFL values speed. And so, at four-two-nine and one-ninety-two, and benching twenty-one times, you mix speed and strength as well as a, a resume on the field. And so, it was a little surprising that that no teams uh, valued that. Uh, however, it was consistent with what he's had to deal with his entire life in terms of being underestimated and having to prove himself. And so that resilience um, that he's developed, that grit uh, that he's developed over the years just put him in that same situation. And so um, I, I really think that although there was some disappointment and mixed feelings, we knew that it was a part of God's plan and that he was on the bus. And when you're on the bus, you have an opportunity to do something. And, yeah. and you saw last week He took advantage of his opportunity Absolutely, and, and that's what he will continue to do Jets this year Are not having the best year But your son, as
2: we mentioned a moment ago The past couple games Has three forced fumbles, which you don't see a lot But last game, he played 36 snaps Had six tackles um, A great play in the end zone there He had the drive before they threw the bomb to Henry Ruggs He had a really good play It seems like when he's been given the opportunity, like a lot of these guys that are undrafted free agents, when he's been given the opportunity, like you mentioned, he really has made the most of it the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, he, he has. Um, and and I, I think that if you were to go to a practice or something, you would you would see what he's done in practice as reflective of what, what's happening in the game. And so I think it was a matter of, you know, some things lining up and him giving it an opportunity. And, and he knows that, you know, being undrafted, free agent, you don't get as many opportunities. So when you do, you know, you have to be laser focused. It's kind of like that that track, you know, if there's one false start, you know, you, you, you can't make it up because you might be done. So when you get your start, which was his strength and, and the hundred meters, you got to go. And that's I true. think that's what we saw on the field is his competitive drive, um, his work ethic coming through and all the preparation that he's done mentally. So that he can make plays when he does get on the field.
2: And speaking of making plays, so the end of the game, I'm not going to put you on the spot, make any comments about the Jets to make your son look bad or anything of nature. But the very last play of the game, personnel-wise, how is it that we don't have your son, the fastest guy on the team... On Henry Ruggs That makes no that made no sense to me I watched that play I'm like How do we not have Guidry on this dude With the ball to the end zone so I think your son I'm going to put it out there Because your son can't say it But I'm going to say it I think he tracks that ball down And makes a play on that Because that was tough That was tough At the end of that game
1: Yeah well hey You know I, I'm biased I'm biased He's, competi- he's competitive um, But mentally You know It's situational football yeah. And so We know they have to Get into the end zone And so I'm biased in thinking he's not going for a stutter step. I mean, he's staying on top of the route. And Mm -hmm. if he wants to run, let's run because I got to step on you. And I know where you have to go. And so uh, I I think that, you know, again, I I think that it, it happened and it's unfortunate, you know, football minds know that that wasn't the best call to, to put, any,
0: to, to put <laughs> yep. any
1: any corner in that situation. You yes. think you have Tough zone spot. coverage, and yep. and you might you might have yep. Denzel there ready to do a jump ball. You know, yep. they just sit in the end zone and bat it down if they come type of thing. So, um, you know, I, I, I love how Jab was able to track down rugs on that in route and yep. say, okay, you, you four you 7 two seven, I'm four two nine, but I won this battle.
2: That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, man. How do we not have him on him at the end of the game? Oh, my goodness.
3: Right now, besides uh, Lamar Jackson and besides Hall, your son is leading all the New York Jet cornerbacks in snaps right now. And he has been very impressive starting from that Miami game when they called that catch on uh, Devontae Parker, which he, played, he defended really, really well. And... That was the first time I'm like, "Oh, what? This guy, yeah. he's forcing fumbles, causing turnovers and and I already see like on Jet Twitter, he's getting mentions and uh, you know, we're we're, we're all very intrigued as Jet fans uh to see him and what he's been able to do." He- well,
1: that's great. I mean, we we definitely want the support of, of fans and and again, his focus is going out there and and like we talk about in the book is is expressing his greatness, and being his best self and and being a good teammate to his teammates out there and, and helping the team win, you know, however they give him an opportunity to do that.
3: And do you think, and and now that his, uh, he really started flourishing, you know, with uh, Greg Williams, and now, obviously, we have leadership change. Do you just, as a football guy, do you think that's going to help or hurt his cause
0: as he continues?
1: I, I can't say. I mean, because I don't know what, than any type of adjustments the the new defensive coordinator will make and what, and what mm-hmm. that would look like. Um, I just know my, my son is a football player. He's a competitor. Um, he's, you know, an athlete. And so whatever system, you know, like we say, don't be a system guy. Be a guy in whatever system you're in, you thrive and, and you be that dude. Yep. And so, so that's a mindset we've had when we were in California. We moved to Texas and we come back and he was that dude. And so... This is no different.
2: Now, your son, your son Elijah, also plays football. He's a DB at UCLA.
1: Tough game to watch last
2: year when Utah played UCLA for you guys. But in so far as being able to, all these years later, be in the same shoes as your parents, situation was a little different. They were going versus one another. But can you speak a little about speak a little bit about getting the chance to watch your sons play each other out there in a game, Division One football? similar to you and your brother all those years before. I mean, that, that's kind of amazing. Most people will never know what either of those things feels like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it was overwhelming um, just to be able to have both of them out there playing against each other on the same field. Uh, we, we actually created sweatshirts um, last or last year in 2019 and the year before. We had T-shirts called the Gidry Bowl. And we, have, <laughs> we had a helmet with the UCLA helmet and one with a Utah helmet on there. And so, you know, we have big tailgates where we barbecued and a lot of friends and family from Texas and Louisiana and Kansas came out. Um, but we're, we're just extremely grateful because there's no greater feeling as a parent to see your kids um, accomplish their goals and, and, and set out to do something in accomplishment, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, for our kids, it's playing football for another kids, it's maybe, you know, in music or in art. You know, it may be an entrepreneur, online gaming, whatever it is, is what seeing them set out to do something, work hard consistently and then accomplish that uh, is the greatest joy as a parent.
2: Now, you could be honest with us. I know you went to UCLA. Did you root for Elijah just slightly
1: more in that game? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you want the Bruins to take that W just a little more than you
1: wanted Javelin to well, you know, Utah was on that run to get to the college football playoffs, and so I say, he actually has three more years to play. Hey, all you right, know, that's I want nice. to, I, 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 I want to go for that that college football playoff and, and play the big guys, so so Jack can get matched up with all these, you know, Ohio <laughs> States and Alabamas and all those other top rated kids, because. Um, <laughs> You know, so, so so yeah, that that was inside. But we we rooted both both kids on. They're both on defense, so we, they never were on the field at the same time. When
2: I was doing my research for the show this week, it was cool. I read an article about Mister Guidry and his brother Paul all the way back there from 1995, and then I read an article about both your sons from 2019, both in the LA Times. Um, and you're obviously very humble, and you teach your kids to be that way. But do you ever sit back and think about those things? That you think about how cool that is.
1: I do. I do. I I, I just. You know, being my, my uh, at UCLA with my brother, you know, we went to Nebraska together with Tommy Frazier and and those guys won a national championship and, and we were able to go against Peyton Manning together, you know, in the same secondary. And, and so we have those type of experiences and the camaraderie uh, to be in those moments, on those stages, on those, you know, road trips in the locker room. Uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing and to see our boys both playing you know at that level as well um, is is just just a place of gratitude that we have as, as parents and, and as former players.
2: That's good stuff and you know it's really it's been awesome getting a chance to speak okay. with you. it's been a pleasure and your book is available on amazon.com for pre-order right now. The website is WP3Sports.com. They also have an app available. So Mr. Guidry and his crew are doing big things right now out there in the world. Is there any social media links or sites you want to share with our audience so they can know more about what you have going on or find the book a little easier?
1: Yeah. So so on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you can go at uh, WP3Sports and reach me out there. I know that we're doing some, some promotions and, and, you know, releasing a chapter or two from the book, um, for people. Um, and, and, and I just want to say at the very core of the book and the program, it, it's about our young people and, and helping them and equipping them and being the best version of themselves and living in their greatness and, and utilizing life skills, you know, that they'll need for a lifetime. And so, you know, that's at the very core and at the essence of what we're trying to do and to do it in a cool way with the app that the kids will have fun and, and enjoy the process.
0: I
3: just want to thank thank you, Mr. Guidry, for, for joining the show and uh, really, really awesome work on what you're doing with the kids and, and bringing the value that, you know, your parents instilled in you and that you've instilled in your kids. And, uh, you know, we hope one day in the future, maybe in the offseason, we can have you and and both your sons on and uh, and and get some of their perspective on playing for uh, you know your old your old alma mater and uh, playing for the New York Jets.
1: Well, hopefully we can do something like that. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share um, what I'm doing and, and what's out there and what's available. You know, there, there's no in, there's no instruction manual in being a parent, and every kid is different. And so, you know, this is just my way where you can read the book and there's treasures, whether you got a four or five star recruit kid or whether you just have a kid that's just starting off and, and just wants to have fun. There's value for everyone. Awesome. Yes, well, sir. best
2: of luck to you. Best of luck to the book. of. Best of luck to your Bruins this weekend versus USC. I hope you guys. I'm yeah. a Notre, I'm a Notre Dame fan so I hope you <laughs> whoop USC. I can't stand that. <laughs> and also also good luck to your son the rest of the season. He looked great the last couple weeks. Really seems like he's making a name for himself and that's what you got to do. Thank you again for joining us.
1: All right. Thank you guys. Hey, the
0: situation uh... That heavy on me. All
1: right,
2: Mike. You know, it's funny. Obviously, he's very well spoken, but people can be very well spoken, and what they're actually saying doesn't have any resonance, doesn't resonate. You know what I mean, Mike? He's not someone that's like that at all. What he has to say seems like it's very powerful and could be very helpful for the youth of America, for parents that want their kids to get into sports that so maybe even some parents maybe that didn't play sports themselves but understand some of the benefits that exist if they get their kids involved in team sports because even like we mentioned when we were speaking Mike you and I both played sports growing up we're both huge sports fans we know some of the benefits it's had for us in life Yeah, and you know I think he, he explains it much better than you and I ever could but I hope his book does great
3: I do too I, he's really great person to, to speak with and had some strong insight and the fact that You know he's taking time to help out others in helping our children i mean that is the greatest investment that we will ever make is our children you know i mean my kids are the best thing i ever did in life not even close there you go i mean i'm
2: I'm recently married bro so i'm on the path and just to hear, you know, all the stories from my friends and you know, how they go about things. It's a learning process for me already. I'm trying to gather as much information as I can. Cause you know, the world's changed, Mike. The world's changed a lot, you know, and and I'm not saying you know, it's for the better or for the worse. It's just different than when you and I grew up. That's all I'm saying. So the way you got to relate to kids and the way you got to get through them sometimes is different. You got to change with the times and you got you to kind of know what's going on. But some fundamental things, which is what he's getting to in his book, which to him means his faith, which is really important to him. But a lot of other things when it comes to sports also, some fundamental things don't change in the world right. and they'll they'll always matter. You know, no matter how much the world changes, no matter how much technology changes, no matter how much culture changes, there's some fundamental building blocks when it comes to us as human beings that don't change, especially when it comes to teaching our kids and becoming a good person. You know, some of those things don't change and sports is one of them and building blocks to being a good person and learning how to compete and going head to head with someone knowing, you know, you're not always going to come out on top and, you know, it can help you in so many different ways. And I was really happy to speak with him and just kind of get his wisdom on that and give him a chance to promote everything he has going on.
3: Yeah, and I couldn't help but think while talking with him and listening to him that his son, Javelin, who is a cornerback for the New York Jets, is probably a fine, fine young man who's learned from his parents. And I couldn't help thinking, like, didn't Joe Douglas say that character and who they are is going to be a major factor in who makes the team? Yeah, certainly. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that Javelin is on this team and, yeah. uh, uh, well, I hope one, you know, we could have him on the show later yeah. on, you know, talk with him. So yeah, I, I wish him, man. him yeah, he play, yeah. He
2: played great this weekend. Mr. Guidry's yep. obviously raised a really good son. It seems like a really good dude. Um, yep. another, he has another son born out at UCLA, got a daughter born out in pre-med. So congrats to you. obviously a very accomplished family. So, you know, that's what everyone strives to be, man. They really seem like they have a good job with their kids. And, I mean, I hope Jack Gidry just continues to kill it the rest of the season and we see him out there next year because next year, I just want to put this out there to any of the Gidrys listening right now, any new Jet fans listening, in case you don't know, because there's been no fans at the stadium this year, Mike, so they don't know what the story is with Jet fans really, right? They don't know how we roll. They don't know we were second in attendance last year. Just in case they were wondering, if we're back next year, Jet fans are good fans, man. We Don't worry about the 0-16. We'll be here to ride with you next year. And hopefully next year will be a lot better than this year. We'll have a lot of wins coming next season. We can turn it around. Hope Japlin's part of that. Mike, if everyone does want to listen to us, listen to our show, get at us in any way, shape, or form, or support AEBG, where could they do that?
3: Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG, Jets Radio on Twitter at AEBG, underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at jet.aebg.
2: All right, you heard the man, everyone. Go out, get the book, Warrior Parent Playbook, Utilizing Sports to Empower Children to Live in Greatness, available on Amazon.com for pre-order right now. That's all we got for you guys this week. Get at you next time. Peace
1: out. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't
0: wait. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Green The New York Jets. I
1: think Jeff fans Jeff fans, fans. fans, Bird! fans Bird! very passionate.
2: ready. <laughs> Thank you, all you fans. They got their guys. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's
1: such an upside. Bird!
2: Something Jeff in. And- Very passionate.
1: Brady sucks. Don't be the suck. Y'all are non-believers.